Bonjour l'Église, moi très content de nous aujourd'hui. Sorry, that was the introduction for my message last week. As I was in uh, Pion, Haiti, uh, uh, visiting the church uh, there, l'Église Baptiste Philadelphia. Uh, it's a church of about 250 in central Haiti. And today I just want to bring you their greetings and their just sincere thanks. Um, they're so grateful for each of you uh, and your partnership with them uh, for the gospel. Again, this is one of our four Missions Emphasis Sundays uh, throughout the year, and Tony asked me uh, just to share a little bit about the ministry in Haiti, uh, share some of God's Word with you today, and then we're going to end our time together today with communion. Uh, this, uh, this is a church that was uh, started uh, by Pastor Francois and his wife, Madhu, uh, now primarily run by his son, Pastor Alden, and his wife, uh, Lillian, uh, and they just welcomed their first recently, uh, Baby Grace. Um, and RBC has partnered with their school, their church, and their orphanage uh, for about uh, the last decade. And uh, last week, uh, myself, Dan Dotson, and Jeff Henshaw uh, were there visiting. Probably the biggest highlight of our trip uh, was uh, participating in the wedding of one of the former orphans there, Jerry, uh, and now his wife, Gedalia. Uh, they don't have a, a, a best man or a maid of honor in their culture, more like they have a godfather and godmother sort of thing, someone who's really influenced the bride and groom, uh, which Jeff Henshaw was, just a real honor, and that's why he's wearing that amazing blue suit, which I'm sure <laughs> you guys are each really jealous of. Uh, pizza was also part of the main course for the, for the reception, which given the amount of pizza we eat in junior high, I felt very much at home. Um, just honestly, it was just a real honor uh, to be able to participate in that. Uh, we've just walked with Jerry and a lot of the kids through some, some good times, but also some really, really hard times. And now to be able to celebrate uh, where he's at, married, working on a house and a, and a future, uh, it's just really the fruit of, of long-term investment. And also just a beautiful picture of redemption. I mean, no one, no one ends up in a Haitian orphanage because their life is going so well. One of the other main goals of our trip was to administer the school scholarships about seven years ago. We helped them uh, relaunch uh, their school, and now uh, somewhere around 780 kids uh, attend the school. Uh, it's really their biggest outreach uh, to the community, where kids come in every day, uh, they get a great education, and hear the truth uh, about the gospel. Tuition there is about 100 bucks a year per kid. Uh, there's no real public schools. And through you, your generosity and the generosity of others, we were able to pay for 140 kids uh, to go to school this year. And as I, as I talked with... Yeah, you can clap for that. Amen. As I talk with a lot of these parents, like some that are pictured behind me, I mean, they want what you and I want for our kids. They want a future for them, a hope for them. Uh, and it's something they really struggle to be able to provide. And so they're just so grateful for you. As I talked with so many of them, they're like, please tell Reston Bible Church, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, as always, we, you know, we spend some time fixing some electrical things, but spend a lot of times uh, just playing with uh, pastor's uh, kids there. He, they care for about 55 kids in the orphanage uh, right now who you guys sent uh, Christmas presents to. There's uh, uh, Fred Lee in the middle playing Chubby Bunny. There's me with Donnie. Um, uh, a lot of people were asking, Aaron, why is your beard shorter right now? Okay, I, 
If my beard is really long, that probably means I'm about to go to Haiti. The kids in Haiti just love to play with it and touch it. So it's always really long there, um, but it needed to be, needed a good trim. Um, but please, please just continue to be in prayer uh, for these kids. Outcomes like Jerry, unfortunately, are the, are the exception and not the rule. Pray, pray for them. Pray for their ministry. Life is just it's really hard and difficult right now in Haiti. I mean, we complain about inflation and high gas prices. Uh, they're dealing with about 50% inflation over this last year. They went multiple months where they just couldn't buy gas uh, in town. In the capital, not where we were, um, but there's just constant gang violence. There was a pseudo-attempted coup the other week. Just a very uncertain future in their country. So please, pray for peace, pray for healing for their country. Pray that the church would, would trust the Lord in the midst of chaos. Pray for health and perseverance uh, for Pastor Francois, Pastor Alden, Pastor Silvio, the her, whole church leadership team. Uh, pray for the future of the kids in the school and in the orphanage. And pray for the gospel to transform lives there. Now, Many times when I'm sitting and talking with Pastor Francois, whether in person or on the phone, and we're talking about some challenge, some hard situation, whether it's the situation right now in Haiti or someone is sick, uh, injured, he almost always says something like this, that's life, this world is not our home. I remember one time we were in Haiti and someone in his church uh, died from what I could best tell was an anaphylactic uh, allergic reaction. And, and he just so matter-of-factly said, that's sad, but this world is not our home. And, and you see, what I see in him, it's not just some like nice little catchphrase that you put on your uh, refrigerator or have a bumper sticker or anything like that, um, but, but this truth of eternity should really impact our lives, right? And I see the way it drives his, his purity, the character of who he is. Um, I see how it drives his peace in very uncertain circumstances and his purpose for how he invests his life his life. And recently I was uh, meditating through the book of Revelation and, and just one huge challenge that I personally walked away with is do I really believe that I'll spend an eternity with God in heaven? Do I really believe I'm going to spend an eternity with my God, my Savior, and my King? And, and yes, I can really easily quote John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life, right? And, but do I really believe that eternal life? And is that evidenced in the way I live my life right now? And this is what I want to look at today, and kind of the key question we'll be going back to uh, this morning is, do I have a purity, a peace, and a purpose driven by my true home in heaven? Do I have a purity, peace, and purpose driven by my true home in heaven? Now, before you start to think this is some sermon on eschatology or end times events, I'm not here to talk about a pre-trib or a post-trib uh, rapture, amillennialism, premillennialism, dispensationalism, reform theology, or any of that sort of stuff. Regardless of, of what you hold, they all have the same end point. We're, with, we're in eternity with God in heaven. And so today I want to briefly look at what I think the Bible describes uh, heaven will be like. Uh, you know, if this world isn't my home, what, what does my true eternal home look like? 
Then I want to talk about how that should practically impact our lives, making us people of purity, people at peace, and people on a purpose, specifically as we're talking about world missions. Then finally, we're going to close today with a time of communion as we look forward to the day uh, when we are in heaven and in our true home. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive into God's Word together. God in heaven, I come before you just grateful and thankful for the opportunity you give us to gather, Lord. Uh, That is just such a a unique blessing from you, and we're thankful. And we're thankful for what you're doing all around the world, whether it was Karen in Spain or what you're doing in Haiti, Lord. And God, we lift up to you today that ministry in, in Pion, God. I pray you would encourage them and bless them, Lord. I pray that we would see many more outcomes uh, like Jerry, Lord. And, and, but God, that, that's a, just such a picture of you redeeming people. And God, that's what we pray that you would continue to do, that you would build your kingdom from every nation, tongue, and tribe. Encourage them, bless them today. Bless our time now in your word. Teach us, uh, instruct us. And God, today, I, I just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart will be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So we're going to start in Revelation chapter 20, uh, verse 11. Again, I I just want to help us paint a little picture of of what heaven is going to be like. Uh, And then after I kind of go through uh, 20 and 21, we'll pull that uh, together. So for a little context, we're going to start in verse 11 of chapter 20, which says this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled, and no place was found for them. This is a passage where we get what a lot of people call the great white throne judgment, regardless of your amil or pre-mill or any of that. Uh, it all ends uh, at this point. Verse 12, it says, and I, and I saw the dead and the great uh, and the small standing before the throne, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. Now you'll notice here, there are the plural books which have a record of our deeds, our actions. And based on what is written in these books, we will give an account for the way we live our lives here on earth. You know, so as we we talk about purity, uh, I think part of the reason I want to be pure is I'm going to give an account But also as we talk about purpose, part of the reason, and I want to live a life on purpose is because I will give an account. Because I'm going to give an account, it should affect the way I live my life today. But you'll also notice here, there is a singular book, the book of life, which I think, uh, which we'll see more of in the next verse, uh, looking down at verse 14. Then Then death And Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, while the previous verses said we are judged or have to give an account based on what is written in the books, plural, what determines our eternal destination is what is written in the one book, the book of life. While as believers in Jesus Christ, I I do believe we will all give an account before the Lord. It is based on our faith in Jesus Christ alone and having our name written in that singular book of life that determines our eternal destination. This is the core of the gospel. We're back to John 3.16. He who believes has 
everlasting life. Moving into chapter 21, verse 1, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. What we see here is God isn't just going to take what we have here on earth now, sprinkle some magic God dust on it and somehow make everything better, right? There's a totally new work, a new creation that we will be living in. Heaven isn't just, hey, take your current house and I'm going to stop the rust and things breaking in your house. It's something totally new. And the only thing going from where we are now to eternity are people and their souls. Verse 2, it says, And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among the people, and he will dwell among them. They shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. So there you see this new city uh, for us to dwell in there. Uh, but notice how the city is described. It's described as a bride which I think shows this close relationship we have with the Lord. Um, this is emphasized even more in verse 3 where it says he's dwelling with us. And we see this repeated over and over. Um, it's something that we see consistent throughout Scripture, that heaven is a place where we just have this close, personal connection with God. I don't know about you, but there have been so many times in my life where I'm just like, God, where are you? Seriously, God, you just seem so distant. I mean, you read David in the, in the Psalms, he's always claiming, he's proclaiming, saying, God, hello, where are you? Are you going to show up in this hard situation? And we don't have that in heaven. See, when I'm in my true home, we have this deep closeness with the Lord. This world is not my home. Looking down at verse 4, it says, And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, for the first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Now, this is a popular verse, but just a few things that really strike me. First is just the personal care of God who's wiping away tears. You know, the other week, there's a, there's a boy in the, in the children's home there. He's just, he's not very strong. He's not very athletic. He's not very smart. Not a lot going for him. And he's just being picked on. And you see kind of those tears kind of welling up in his eyes. Just that opportunity to pick him up, embrace him, say it's going to be okay. You see, when I look at heaven, it's the arms of a loving father embracing us and saying, look, I understand the pain of your past, and I'm not trying to minimize the pain that we are really facing today. But God is saying, I'm going I'm to embrace you and saying, I understand the pain that you went through, but it's okay now because you are permanently in my safe presence. That was all the past. Your presence with me is your now and your future. That's what my true home is like. This world is not my home. My home has my heavenly father embracing me. Second thing I want you to note about these verses are the number of absolutes here. And you can see uh, them here in this slide. God doesn't just say, hey, I'm going to deal with most death. You know, there could be a few that kind of slip through the cracks, but I'll deal with most of it, right? 
He doesn't say, you know, most of the morning is going to be gone, but occasionally, you know, it's kind of good for you, so let's have a little morning session. No. He doesn't say, you know, this pill has a guaranteed 85% reduction in pain or anything like that. It's done. It's absolutely finished. And this is the promise of a God who cannot lie. He says, my words are faithful and true. The pain of this mess and this world are gone. The curse of this world gone. Uh, you know, it talks more about this in 22.3, how the curse of this world is no more. Looking down at verse 6, and he, then he said to me, it is done. I'm the alpha of the omega, the beginning of the end. I give water to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. First, it strikes me here how just how similar this is to when Jesus is on the cross and he says, it is finished. You know, at the cross, my sin, the, the penalty for my sin, then and the penalty for my sins in the future, done, dealt with, paid for. It was finished. It's the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And now that we are in heaven, it is completed, the redemption, the full redemption of mankind. When we're back, just fully in the presence of God, enjoying that, it's done. It's completed. Again, these are the promises of a God who cannot lie. God is saying the mess of the curse of this world is over. Something totally new is here. Also, I would want you to note the way it says that he's going to give from the spring of the water of life without cost. You and I cannot earn our salvation. There's no amount of good things we can do for it. It is a gift that comes from God. Continuing in verse 7, uh, he says this, The one who overcomes will inherit these things. I will be his God, and he will be my son. Again, I pray you see just this close personal relationship with God. No more prayers of, of God, where are you? God, this doesn't make any sense. I, I don't know about you, but that's something I really long for. I mean, I just... I just see so much mess and pain, whether it's with the students I work with here in the U.S., whether it's the mess I see in Haiti, where I'm like, God, where are you? This world is not my home. My home in heaven, I have this, this close connection with my God and King. Verse 10, it says, And he carried me away in the spirit to see a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Now, uh, this huge city is going to be described in the next uh, section of, of verses. In verse 16, John is going to be commanded to go and measure the whole city. It's about 1,400 miles on a side. Absolutely huge. So in, in John 14, when Jesus says, hey, in my father's house, are many, you know, there's many rooms. There's a big place. He's not kidding, right? This is an absolutely huge city for us. In verse 21, he's going to mention how the gates are like a, a giant pearl and the streets are like gold, right? Where we get streets of gold and pearly gates from. A lot of the physical description of heaven. And what I hope you see here is, is I believe heaven is a very physical place. We're not just on clouds with wings playing harps or anything like that. It talks about rivers and, and trees. We have stuff to learn, stuff to do, stuff to explore in heaven. We will spend an eternity exploring and worshiping what an infinite God has made for us. And if we think we can get to some point where we've totally figured it out, God is even more infinite. This world is not my home. 
In verse 23, it says, And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illuminated it, and its lamp is the Lamb. Now, I'm not totally sure how this all works, but there's just this light that emanates from God, and it's everywhere. And I think, again, it shows just how God will be everywhere and the closeness of our relationship we have with him. But it also shows there's a total absence of darkness in heaven. Which, which leads to what verse 27 says. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Again, we see how eternity is all based on what's what it written in the one singular book. But the other huge thing I hope you see is how there is no more sin in heaven. Honestly, I gotta say, that's one of the biggest things I'm looking forward to is the lack of sin. I mean, we won't have to deal with the effects of anyone else's sin in heaven. I mean, no more anger. I mean, some people are just so, so mean. Um, no more greed. People just do so many things that are, that are inconsiderate. It's all about them. I mean, working with teens and again, looking at Haiti, I just see so much pain and mess and agony that's just all caused by other people's selfish acts. I mean, our world is, as we know, is just full of a bunch of selfish people, of which I'm a big part of that. I, and, and I'm going to be honest, even more than I'm looking forward to you guys having no more sin, I'm looking forward to me having no more sin, no more sinful nature and sinful flesh. I just know how many dumb things that I do that I want to change about myself. Those fears inside that make me do the things that I regret. I don't like my own jealousy, my pride that lead me to anxiety and worry and stress. And just to be free from my own sin nature, oh my goodness, this world is not my home. And that's what I long for. Just kind of summarizing everything from 20 to 21 that we've talked through. Heaven, my true home, is guaranteed to everyone who believes. It's a completely new world, not just kind of something a little better than what we have. It contains this physical city that we'll live in, we can explore. It's 100% sin-free. No more, no more of that nice, sinful nature inside of me. It's 100% pain and curse-free, not just 85% better. And we have this intimate access to God. We're not saying, God, where are you? See, this is my home. And I hope you're excited about this place. I hope you're looking forward to this place because it's real. And it's again what a faithful and true God who cannot lie has promised to everyone who would put their faith in Jesus Christ. This is what awaits me. But do I really live that way? Is that what I truly believe? See, the Bible talks a lot about how eternity should affect our lives. Um, but I'm just gonna quickly mention Mention three. And again, they, these all flow from this challenge. Do I really believe in eternity? Do I really believe this world is not my home? And our key question, do I have a purity, a peace, and a purpose driven by my true home in heaven? As we look at purity, uh, I'm going to look at 2 Peter chapter 3. Starting in verse 10, it says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. The earth and its works will be discovered. 
Basically, the end is going to come when you and I do not expect it. Everything is going to be destroyed. This is consistent with what we saw in Revelation. And everything secret uh, is going to be revealed. Uh, we're all going to give account for what we've done. Again, consistent with what we saw in Revelation. Now in verse 11, he says this, Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Hey, knowing this is the end, knowing all this junk is going to be destroyed, how should you be living today? You should be living a life of holiness and purity. Continuing on, looking for the hastening, uh, for looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we're looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. See, our true home, as it says here, is one in which righteousness dwells, is one of absolute purity. And if my true home is a pure home, why am I living any way differently today? No one likes a hypocrite. And so when I know that I'm actively sinning, that's like living like this world is my home. Not living like my true home is in heaven. Verse 14, Peter writes, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found spotless and blameless by him at peace. Again, he is looking to the future which drives his purity today. And you'll notice he says to be diligent in these things. I'm putting a, a, an effort uh, into them. I put an effort into my purity today because I know that is what my future home and my real home, my eternal home will be like. That's what God has designed me for. That's the finished work of Christ in my life. This world and its sin patterns are not my home. So do I have a purity, a peace and a purpose driven by my true home in heaven. As we look at peace here, I'm talking about a, an inner peace, a, a rest. Uh, and I could talk about a, a lot here, um, but there should just be a peace that comes from being at home, right? You know, in, in Haiti, I'll be honest, I really miss my shower, I miss my bed, I miss my pillow. I just rest better when I'm at home right? We rest better uh, at home. And in the same way, when we fix our eyes on our true home, there should be a peace and a rest in our lives. This is why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4 that, that today he's just dealing with some light and momentary afflictions that cannot be compared to the eternal weight of glory, right? All of Paul's messes, and Paul dealt with a lot of them, were not or nothing to him, because he was looking to eternity. A few aches and bones for a year or two, you know, that's nothing compared to eternity. The persecution and tribulation and opposition, again, Paul dealt with a ton of that stuff over his life. He's like, those are light, those are momentary, compared to eternity. And again, please hear me, I know that the pain of this world and this life is real. I'm not trying to minimize that. The things of this world are hard, but this world is not our home. And this is why Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 4, we don't grieve like the rest of the world who has no hope. We know the end of the story. 
This is why in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, when talking about Abraham and the patriarchs, the author of Hebrews says this, all these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen and welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. This world doesn't make sense so many times to me. I don't get a ton of things that go on. But I know my God wins, and I know my God is good. And for all eternity, I'm going to be worshiping for that. And my fear today is so often driven by the fact that I forget this eternity. I'm just so focused on what's right in front of me, and I miss my true home in heaven. And when I focus on that, when I remember that, it should give me peace. So do I have a purity, a peace, and a purpose driven by my true home in heaven? Finally, as we look at, at purpose, going back to the book of Revelation, one thing I think is just so clear about heaven, and just you see reiterated over and over in the book of Revelation, is that heaven is it's just about God and worshiping him in his glory. Over and over you see peoples and angels and all of creation worshiping, praising, and glorifying God. I want to look at just one passage on this. It's Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10 says this. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all the tribes, peoples, and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. First thing I, I note here is heaven is, is full of people. Should be pretty obvious. Um, this is a popular verse uh, about every nation, tongue, and tribe. And, and again, that's what's really lasting from this world to the next is people. And that's going to drive some of my purpose. But what really strikes me in this verse is even though there's people from all around the world there's not some rank based on socioeconomic class or education, wealth, race, gender, or any of those things. Everyone has one unified purpose, and that's worshiping and glorifying their God. There's not the section for white evangelical North American Christians uh, from the 21st century that's somehow better than 18th century Christians from Haiti. All are desired, all are welcomed, and all will be worshiping the Lord. Everyone is totally unified in the worship of their God and King. And if that's going to be our purpose for all of eternity, that should be our purpose today. And this is part of our heart for missions here at RBC. As I honestly, as I look at myself, as I look at so much of my own purpose for my life today, a lot of it's about self-worship. It's about me, 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 and more me. Not worshiping the Lord. So my question, if this world is not my home, what purpose am I living for? My honor, my name, my reputation? Or for the glorification of my God, my Savior, and my King? And because I want to worship the Lord now and be most about the worship of the Lord for all of eternity, I want to know him now and I want people to know him. 
And this is why we did the engagement project, just challenging us to look at, at our neighbors, at the people around us, whether it's our coworkers or that other parent on your kid's soccer team, right? God didn't randomly put us there. He's called us to be his light, his ambassadors, sharing his, uh, declaring his glory to the people around us. And this is why uh, we also are a church that wants to focus on world missions. They're both about bringing glory to our God by bringing people to know him and worship him. I could have given most of this sermon also out of 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. Paul talks a lot about eternity there. I just want to read two verses out of 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 14, it says this. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose on their behalf. Paul's point is this. Your sin and my sin have separated us from a holy, perfect, and loving God. Because of the things I did wrong, I was destined for an eternity apart from God in judgment. But God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world to live a perfect life that I could never live. And to die on a cross to pay the penalty for your sins and for my sins. My sins, past, present, and future, dealt with. And then for rise from the dead three days later to give life to anyone who would believe in him. And when I put my faith in what Jesus has done for me by dying and rising for me, my sins, past, present, and future, are paid for. I have a relationship with God now. And I'm going to spend eternity with my God, my Savior, and King in heaven. See, my citizenship is no longer a citizenship of this earth. My citizenship is in heaven. That is now my true home when I place my faith in Jesus Christ. That is what he has done for you and for me. And so is my life today going to be about glorifying me and it's going to be all about me, 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 me. Will I allow the love of Christ to control and compel me? Will I allow my life to be about glorifying, honoring, and worshiping him? Or is it just going to be about me and more me? Do I have a purity, a peace, and a purpose driven by my true home in heaven? As we've looked at heaven today, and its implications for our lives. I hope you've, this has helped you see why we as a church are so focused on world missions. Eternity is going to be about glorifying God, and we want to be about that now. One of the primary ways we glorify Him, not the only way, but a primary way, is by telling the nations about Him. So first of all, just on behalf of Leglise Baptist Philadelphia, and then the over 200 uh, missionaries and national pastors we support around the world, thank you, thank you, thank you. Through your generosity, we were able to give over 1.7 million to global missions last year. And I've just seen on the face of, of so many people in Haiti and Croatia and other places, I've visited uh, our, our missionaries and national workers, just their deep gratitude to you guys for partnering with them for impacting eternity. And I pray that you're excited uh, by what God is doing, what you heard from Karen, and, and what God is doing all around the world.
the world. So thank you. Second, I, I just would encourage you to consider going. You know, it starts with your neighbors, your coworkers, um, the people that God had places around you here. But also I would want you to consider if God wants you to go into the world. Tony Petroni mentioned a, a series of short-term mission trips that we have coming up. Sorry, Haiti's not a place I can take large groups right now because of the security situation. We also have min missions internship program to help you consider, hey, would God want me to do this full-time? But finally and most importantly, I want to encourage us to be a church of prayer for world missions. I'm not entirely 100% sure how the mechanism of, of prayer uh, works. Maybe I'll figure that out in heaven. But I do know it works. I do know it, it changes things, and our missionaries around the world need it. I have different reminders in my office and in my life that, that remind me to pray for different missionaries. In my wallet, I keep a 10 kuna piece. It's a currency from Croatia. And every time I see it and pull it out, I just say a quick prayer for Darko, uh, Gorana, Miro, and Ivanka, four of our national workers uh, in Croatia. And to help you, uh, we made a, a series of, of prayer cards for a bunch of our different missionaries, about a dozen of our different missionaries out there. Here's one for Karen. Here's one for uh, Pastor Alden and his family. Um, and I encourage you to, to take a few on your way out, way out today. Um, put them in places you're going to see them and pray for them. For those who can, we have some, their email addresses there. Just shoot them a quick email saying, hey, we prayed, I prayed for you. I'm Aaron from RBC, um, and I was just praying for you today. This world is not our home, and we want to be lifting up God's work of changing souls and eternities for his glory. Do I have a purity, peace, and a purpose driven by my true home in heaven. This hope that we have of our true home is only possible because of what Jesus has done for you and me. We talked about the book of life earlier and, and giving a drink uh, of water without cost. Again, my sin had separated me from God, but God has been so good to you and to me that he sent Jesus to die for that sin, to give us a relationship with him, give a relationship uh, to anyone who would believe and spend that eternity with him in heaven that we've talked about today. Again, I, I pray that you're excited uh, about that. And in celebration of that, we want to take a time uh, celebrating communion. Communion is a time where we remember what God has done for us you know, Jesus himself said, we do this in remembrance of him. It also says that we, when we're taking communion, we're proclaiming his death until he returns. I'm remembering, but I'm also looking forward. I'm looking forward to the wedding feast, to the party that's described in the book of Revelation. And as we close today, I would want you to consider the following. First of all, if you would not consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, I would want you to consider the gift that Jesus is offering you. That he says, by my death and resurrection, your sins, past, present, and future, can be paid for. You can have a relationship with me now, and you can spend an eternity with me in heaven. God offers that gift, and I would encourage you to consider that today. 
If you would consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, I would just say, take the time now just to thank him and praise him for his goodness. Thank him for the eternity that is to come. And take the time to consider, Lord, how does my purity, how's my peace, and how's my purpose reflective of my true home in heaven? Take a moment to consider that and I'll be back in a minute and we'll take communion together as a family. First Corinthians 11, verse 23 says this, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. O gracious God and King, we come before you just thankful and grateful for today. We are thankful and grateful for the eternity that awaits us, Lord, where we will be in your presence and be with you in a place of no more death, mourning, and crying, or pain, in a place with people from every nation, tongue, and tribe for all eternity, praising you, worshiping you, exploring what you've made, just honoring and glorifying you. And we look forward to that, Lord, a place with no more sin, no more mess, no more curse, no more any of that, but just to be with you. You are such a good, gracious, and kind God, and we worship you and we give you praise and thanks today, Lord. But God, I, I do pray in light, of, in light of that eternity which you purchased for us with the death of your son, Jesus Christ, God, in light of that eternity, today, would our purity, would our peace, and would our purpose be driven by you? We love you, Lord. We're grateful for you. God, may the rest of our day honor, glorify, and worship our God and King. In your son's name we pray. Amen. 
We're closing today uh, with a song called Endless Praise. And it talks about how for all eternity, we're going to be praising the Lord. So let's start now. Please stand and let's worship the Lord together.